This is TV8 My Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. of the innocent and preserve the peace. I swear. General Patton has said that wars are fought with weapons, but they are won by men. The one thing that a Green Lantern is supposed to be is fearless. That isn't me. So much more to you than you know. Your enemy is not what you expect. I will destroy their kind. You can't kill an entire race and die with them. Listen to me very carefully, my friend. Killing will not bring you peace. Peace was never an option. This is going on Facebook. Smile. You ready for this? Let's find out. I could do this all day. I have no plans to die today. What happens now? Go look for trouble. Brightest day, blackest night. You're listening to TV at my dinner. My name is Sean, and I am sitting here with Greg and Lynn. Hey. All right. Okay, good. All right. So. <laughs> So we will be talking about some of the, a preview of some of the things coming up this summer. What? Hang on, Lynn's you trying know, to say this, something. Oh god, already. What? What happened, Lynn? Oh, uh, she's gone. Lynn's already dropped out. <laughs> All right. So what were you saying? Okay. We're gonna so talk we, about we, what? We were, well, summer movies. I mean, this is gonna be a softball. I'm not gonna lie to you. I do want to get into at a later date hopefully very soon the the idea of like superman renouncing his u.s citizenship and some of the you know the, the some other stuff related to that but we're not going to get heavy tonight tonight we're just going to talk about movies that are coming up and some of them i've already seen a couple of them you know so so i think we're, we're just going to ease her in tonight and we were already talking about the world weird tour before we started recording and what are what our plans were if if we missed the space shuttle launch, right. and Greg and I were already deep into a debate as to what the alternate plan was, <laughs> if we don't get to see a space shuttle launch. Well, I mean, we'll probably no, end Greg, up having the. I mean, we probably won't really do much of anything other than hang out in Cocoa Beach, I imagine, unless we did. Well, that sounds. Unless we make a concerted awesome effort too. to go to Orlando. Well, we'll actually, as sad as that is, we'd actually be passing Orlando on the way back up. We're going pretty far out. Mm. Well, actually, you know, what's funny is the first stretch of our trip takes us the furthest out. When we start going to, like, Coral Castle and all that stuff, that's, like, pretty far down yeah. there. Yeah, that's... We'll actually be coming back to see to what we hope will be the, the, the last leg of our trip will be to see the final space shuttle launch, if it doesn't get scrubbed. 
that's the debate right now because there's no we can't plan around that we don't know i mean we can't plan when spaceships go into space that's pretty serious as we'd like to yeah really yeah yeah ask me my opinion i'll I'll jump in (laughs) but no but so the you were saying you wanted to go to disney world well, I'm not necessarily go to Disney the, World like like the 54 endings of Star well, Tours. They, yeah, they've just come out with the redesigned Star Tours ride, and and that would be pretty cool to see. But it but it's designed to look like the the the, the prequel episodes. Yeah, three? they they've reset the time. To, it's gonna be to, a big pod to, race. No pod race, I don't think. But I think you, I mean, it, it's actually kind of like Star Tours. The storyline I think is kind of the same. Except instead of the Star Speeder two thousand, you're in the Star Speeder one thousand, and and then you get why to go is to it different Lewis places. Lucas has got to make a prequel to a damn theme park ride. I don't know, like, man. Why does he got to prequelize everything? Well, I mean, they they I don't know because we cause find the out that Darth Vader designed that, he, that you know, tour the, droid. The, you know, this apparently when the good Darth ones, Vader was he a child, he, really he designed the tour droids. But I would like to well, see it really just based on the technology because they're supposed to, the the ride movie is supposed to be three D now and you you have more than one destination. You used to always go to the planet of Endor, but now actually I don't think you ever really made it to Endor in the in the movie. But that's what you were supposed to be doing. Um, technically, Endor Endor is a moon. Oh, sorry. Excuse As me. It happens. But anyway, planet, now right. you go to Hoth. I think you go to Coruscant. You go to Kashik. You go to all the different planets. I want to go to Kashik. Yeah, Kashik would be cool. Hanging with the Wookies. Did we get to pick? I mean, it wasn't cool in that movie, but it seems like otherwise it'd be cool. It was cool in the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> they had like Jefferson airplane and stuff there. That was pretty awesome. No, my feeling was now we put this off because it was more expensive than the other stuff we were looking at doing. But there was a Holy Land theme park mm. in Orlando. Let me see. <laughs> I think it's called the Holy Land, but let's it's see. It's called the Holy Land Experience. And it looks ridiculous to me. It looks like like six plagues with Jesus. <laughs> like, it's like $45 a day, but it is actually a theme park themed around the bible <laughs> it's so got strange like water slides and stuff <laughs> it's got like uh i guess stunt shows where jesus gets crucified Ooh. i don't know that it's a stunt show it's like the indiana jones but i'm looking at the map of it right here and it looks awesome i'm like i'd do this but it, it really is like forty five dollars a day, and it would that didn't sell. That was too much for as a as far as novelty is concerned. <laughs> but I am I am deeply intrigued by this, by the Holy Land experience in Orlando. So I I would want to go there and film it. I don't so know how. Who I, knows, people? I mean, because I I do consider myself to be a somewhat religious person. I don't know if I'm going to go if you're just going to make fun of it. Well, that's up to them, isn't it? <laughs> but if you don't, I, I don't know. Religion doesn't have anything to do with it. I'm not an anti-religious person, but a, a theme park based on Jesus is a really stupid idea. So. I don't know if I'm afraid to say that making a theme park around Jesus is a stupid idea. 
that, that, that doesn't make me religious. To just, oh, well, no, that's not a stupid idea because I'm a religious person. <laughs> like this, you know, it's a stupid idea. I was trying to see what kind of things they had here. Um, I don't know if they have rides or not. They have, like... They look like they have... Well, see, if they don't have rides, it's a big ripoff because you're paying, like, real theme, theme park money. Yeah. I think they have shows. Well, apparently all the shows are about bloody Jesus. Well, I see th- a lot of pictures of a bloody Jesus. What do you think? I mean... So apparently they have a Passion of the Christ stunt show. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Wouldn't you rather go to Star Tours? No, this looks really funny. <laughs> that looks like a singular American experience. They're looking for make new, a theme park out of Jesus. They're looking for new uh, talent. So job openings at the at the Holy Land. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out they're going through Jesus as like gangbusters. So auditions for, you know, I guess for Jesus and the Jesus. other people. Oh, Lord. All right, well, we'll shelve that. <laughs> if your religion forbids you to make fun of stupid things. No, well, I mean, yeah, this is indeed. I mean, yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I don't know. I, yeah, just feel, I, well, you know. I don't know. I'm just saying, if it to me, if I, if I were if I were a devout church going person, I'd be even more offended by people making idiotic commercial experiences out of my religion. Well, I guess that's kind of true too. I guess you know, you're just not sure where how to act around crazy stuff like this. Hmm, interesting. All right, well, we'll shelve that, too. But, all right. I mean, it actually looks pretty cool. We'll let all that go. I don't want to... Oh, wow, yeah. they got a Moses statue. That's neat. <laughs> don't don't bait me. I don't want you to get in trouble. <laughs> hey, Will, if we're going to talk about... As summer movie previews goes, as summer previews goes, I, and, and we're segueing into this anyway, I would like to mention that apparently... Jesus a, is coming back on May thir- the 21st, is what I'm hearing. Hmm. There's billboards everywhere. But oh, I saw apparently, that. Apparently, Jesus returns. There's billboards. There's a, there's actually a website called wecanknow.com. We can know. That's their whole concept. Why? This why, is proven by science. This is proven by Bible science. Well, that Jesus is definitely coming back. In uh, in like two weeks, according to them. Well, that's probably going to affect our travel plans. Well, see, apparently though, he's coming back on the twenty first, but he's not. The world's not ending until October twenty first. So apparently, he's zipping in. He's going to make sure he's got enough time to watch all the good movies, and then out. So apparently he's going to be here just in time to watch Green Lantern and the rest of the summer movies, and then by end of October, it's over. Oh, so really, this is our we gotta we gotta it's we're timing it just right. Yeah, if we're gonna do it, we better do it right. So yeah, get it all out there before October twenty first. I don't know what the rules will be in the five months where Jesus is here on Earth. <laughs> like I don't know how you're supposed to behave, but I'm just saying, you know, you got that five months, people go crazy. Hmm. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we already lost. Lynn just sent me a message. We've already lost her again. That was a record. That was, by the way, before we started talking about Jesus. So just so you guys know. Yeah. So Jesus didn't have anything to do with it. Him. Unless he's got, you know, he just yeah. didn't want to deal with Australia today. He might not be. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah. I like how. Yeah, I really think Jesus is picking his battles pretty good this time. This looks like a strong summer to me. Other summers, like like two summers ago, you would have thought, you know, you could tell there was an itch. Like, oh, there's a G.I. Joe movie, Transformers 2, that'd be good. Yeah, Jesus but was really thinking managed, about coming last, you know, those, it was a good thing he didn't. Yeah. Really would have been disappointed. It's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, Jesus, it looked like it was going to be awesome, sorry. But this year, it's like, what, Green Lantern? <laughs> it's like you should have waited another year. The Avengers is probably going to be awesome. I mean, I don't want to tell you your business. You've been doing this for thousands of years, but still. I don't know. I'm a little bit leery. This is I'm a little bit leery works. of the Avengers. He might be smart to be coming this year because <laughs> yeah, he's like, let's do it because the anticipation of the Avengers is going to be better than the actual event. Yeah, that's why. Like, yeah, you know. like come on, Sean. He's got a lot. Of, he's been around a while. He's got a lot of things figured out. Right. So. But that's a thing. That's a real thing. That's a very weird, like, if you may pass these billboards where people are just casually saying and, and not bothered at all to just say, oh, yeah, May 21st, that's it. He's coming back. And then October 21st, gone. Well, that's it. We read it in the Bible. No one has ever misinterpreted anything out of the Bible before, so we feel pretty confident about this. Well, I would like to see what their spiritual, what their scriptural basis is for that. Well, go to wecanknow.com. All right. I will, but I got nothing better to so, do. By that, do you mean we're, while we're doing this show? <laughs> <laughs> when you do we, all your other surfing. WeCanKnow.com. WeCanKnow.com. But apparently, and I, you know, obviously, whatever people believe, that's their own. You know, they, they have the right to that. But it, but I just don't understand the idea of being so excited about it. I, well, the first part sounds awesome, but the second part, you know, is a little sketchy part where the world ends well i guess it yeah i guess it depends on where you're, <laughs> how you've been how you've been doing you know up until that point you know so does it i mean not to be too not to take it on too too down a note but should a righteous person even if they're convinced they're going to heaven be excited at the prospect that the world is ending and other people will be made to suffer well, that's a good if point. That's like actually kind of something. you were ascending. If you really were righteous, wouldn't you, wouldn't you grieve the the lack of salvation or the possible damnation or the suffering that that would be caused to all the less than righteous people? If you were truly a good person, well, that's a good point. Should you ever be smug and happy about the end of the world? Is that ever a good thing? Hey, this place has something called the scriptorium. Scriptorium, <laughs> man. I bet you, if you search that site, you can get some discount tickets to the Holy Land experience. What well, you, like, well, this is weird because apparently, like, it's it's the center for Bible antiquities. Maybe they have relics. Wouldn't that be cool? They got the Ark of the Covenant, and it told them. <laughs> but I bet you could buy your own Ark of the Cov- Covenant keychain or something. <laughs> Man, I bet you can buy any number of memorabilia, and I know already, I see on that site, that they're selling a ton of books. Oh, yeah. But anyway. Um, I saw a site talking about 2012 that was selling 2012 survival kits <laughs> and tips and stuff like that. I was like, you know, this will be fun, but don't buy it now. Wait till after 2012. I bet you can get the stuff at a steal. 
<laughs> That's what I want to see. I don't want to patronize these guys right no, there's now. There's going to be all kinds of that kind of stuff. But anyway, but what you were saying is like, uh, what were you saying about? What? When? <laughs> what? Oh, about a... Uh, I think we were just desperately trying to change the subject. Were we? No, okay. <laughs> no, yeah, no, so- no segue necessary. Because oh, okay. I, I thought we, we were starting to get into a fairly deep religious discussion. Oh, about the end of the world, about feeling bad about the end of the world. Yeah, I'm kind of that way yeah, too. I, think I mean, I, to I think me, I made the, the end that of the point. world doesn't like, sound like a you know like a good thing, but some people, you know. Well, it's like war. It's like you know, even if you believe the war is just or necessary, you shouldn't be happy about it. You know, the, surely the apocalypse should at least feel that way. You know, these people with bumper stickers that say, "In case of the rapture, this car will be unmanned." It's like asshole. <laughs> Are you that excited <laughs> that you're going to leave the rest of us behind? That if if you know. It, 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 it's written. It, it's part of the process that if you feel that you're speaking to a person whose whose soul is in jeopardy, you should be trying to get that person on board too, not smugly declaring to them that they'll still be stuck here in traffic while you go to heaven. <laughs> and on top of that, there's going to be a bunch of empty cars and nobody driving them. Yeah. Have you have you seen the funny version I, of that bumper sticker? I'm not so sure there'll be that many empty <laughs> oh, cars. Oh well, yeah. I'm not, and I don't want to speak too soon, but I'm not sure. So there will be so many empty cars as as the drivers didn't. Have you think. have you seen the funny version of that bumper sticker? In case of rapture, can I have your car? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Of course, I'll be in heaven. Yeah, whatever. All right, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, but I'm just saying, man. So, religion, religion. Jesus will be here in a couple no, weeks. Just, he can sort it, it all it out. Stresses me out. It's already it's proven in the Bible. Jesus is coming back in a couple of weeks. You know what kills me about that? I can't uh, seriously. I just can't keep myself from believing that somebody wasn't feeling a little upstaged by 2012. That all of a sudden these scholars had to come and go. Oh no, Jesus is coming back in 2011. Like really? You've really got to beat somebody else to the apocalypse? <laughs> we can't have a Mayan apocalypse. How embarrassing. We're going to step things up and make sure Jesus ends the world in 2011. Show everybody who's boss. Hey, you want a bloody Jesus desktop wallpaper? Yes, please. You can get it on the site. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm getting tired of, of my Supergirl. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. Superhero movies. All right. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll focus more on superhero movies because that's really the focus of the summer. I mean, we can talk about anything going on this summer, but, but yeah, I mean, that's this is going to be. I know we got off to a rocky start, but <laughs> but really, this is going to be a good summer for superhero movies. I just saw Thor last night. Well, what was your opinion on Thor? I was going to ask you about that. I've heard mixed reviews, but but I kind of expected mixed reviews on Thor. I'll admit that I didn't go in with a very high opinion. I've never been a huge Thor fan, although I thought this could make a good movie. It's a neat idea, a Norse god coming to modern-day America and becoming a superhero. Pretty good idea. And I would say, given that is the premise, I, I think they did a good job. I think they they sort of juggled the mythology with putting him in a modern superhero kind of setting well you know obviously they inserted elements from the Avengers thing where they had the shield agents running around like keystone cops through most of the movie trying to catch him 
well, or yeah, catch him, recruit him, or whatever. It just yeah, you know, obviously, the the way this has gone so far is Iron Man's the heavy hitter, and then they did the Hulk, and they made the Hulk so it would tie in with the Avengers just to you know give it something. And now they're getting to the point where. Thor and Captain America are a couple of characters that they're like, you know, these would make good movies, but we're not as certain as to their bankability, so we're going to pretty heavily tie them in with the upcoming Avengers movie to sort of garner interest. And it's working. It's a good idea. So, you know, Thor, obviously from, you know, we got a Thor tie-in at the end of the credits in Iron Man 2 where they find the hammer, and that leads directly into this film. And obviously we've got S.H.I.E.L.D. agents all over the place in this movie. The same dude from the Iron Man movies <laughs> is the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in this one. He must be thinking, you know, man, I, actually, I have scored, man. I, like He gets to be like in three movies in one year and play yeah, the same guy. Yeah, that guy, he's doing awesome. Yeah, he's, like, he's through the franchise. Yeah. It's just the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent because I guess they can't get Sam Jackson in all of these movies except in cameos. But it's a good idea. I, I was actually a little bit surprised that they didn't try to tie this one in with Captain America because you'd think that they'd want to weave Captain America in a little bit with it coming out soon. But they didn't. They had a pretty good story. I think it opened pretty strongly with the, the whole Asgard mythology and obviously they, they, they sort of injected them into modern day world and I think that worked pretty well too there's a couple of little tiny things cosmetically bothered me about this movie I don't want to get in the story because people may still want to go see it and I'm not, I don't want to and, and you haven't seen it so I won't get into the story elements of it although I was fairly pleased with the story uh, Kenneth Branagh directed it which was surprising to me really I didn't know that going in but it, it's, it's, a, it's a capably made movie and it's a, definitely a lot of fun it's a good superhero movie but a couple of things. First of all, like the art des- design starts to bother me because Thor's hammer and a lot of the other things in the movie are sort of adorned with this Celtic knotwork, which has nothing at all to do with Norse mythology. Oh, yeah, I can see how that would drive fans crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I understand how you're trying to dress it up a little bit, but, but Celtic knots and all that don't have anything to do with, with, with Norse gods. Another thing that on the very tiniest level bothered me, and it's almost not worth mentioning, but Odin's in the movie played by Anthony Hopkins, and they do these flashbacks where Odin's fighting the Frost Giants because it's a part of the story. And in one of the flashbacks where they're showing Odin after one of the great battles, Odin's standing there with his big scarred, empty eye hole. And they don't say it in the movie, but you're given to... to infer that they're they're saying that Odin lost his eye in the battle with the frost giants and this is mythologically untrue this is in the, in the mythology of of Odin he did not lose his eye in battle at all he lost he gave up his eye on purpose because he wanted the wisdom of the cyclops so Odin voluntarily sacrificed his eye he didn't lose it in a battle. I, 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 that's a little thing. Like, and easily explained, you could say, well, maybe in the, the heat of the battle, his eye patch was ripped off, <laughs> revealing his gaping eye hole. And I guess that's possible. Yeah, but... 
in the story, if you're a purist, and not that the Thor comic was, I was about a to say, purist is that, is representation that a Thor of mythology anyway. Uh, I mean, I know, I mean, the, the legend, I mean, the, the myth has Odin getting those, you know, giving up his eye, but is that the way it is in the Thor comic book? The, the, the comic probably didn't address it either way. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll allow that the comic probably wasn't trying to be the perfect representation of the, of the mythological story. But at the same time, I really feel like this is just a little subtle hint that the people making the movie didn't really understand anything about the mythology. And, and on a very on a slight level, that, that, that irritates me a little bit. Because you want to see the details kind of matter. But not not to dwell on that. The rest of the movie, I really enjoyed it. I like the dude that plays Thor. Kirk's dad is in the movie as Thor. He's, he does a good job. You know, Natalie Portman is in the movie. Always good. Stellan Skarsgård is in the movie. Um, there's lots of good people. Kat Dennings is in it. Like I said, Anthony Hopkins plays Odin. It's hard. And, you know, they have a lot of scenes. This movie really has, like, two real-world sets. There's, like, this podunk town that Thor ends up in that has, like, one street. So it's basically, on a set design level, it's it's on a par with the Supergirl movie. The other set is where his hammer landed. S.H.I.E.L.D. has built, like, a little pavilion around it that's the other set the rest of this when they cut to flashback are like these fancy majestic shots of asgard that are all cg so they've gotten away with a lot because they keep cutting to this other story of them in asgard that's like this big story but really when they cut back to thor and modern day earth it's just like him uh, hanging outside this diner and then ultimately gets attacked by a giant robot <laughs> But they creative they, they creatively they do a clever job of of making it sort of a big story out of you know what in the real world they have very little to work with as far as like what they're really doing with Thor as far as trying to position him so that he'll be ready to be in the Avengers movie, which is the main purpose of the film. Yeah, I don't know, it worries me. Ensemble movies always a little. A little rough. It's a big endeavor. It's a, and I really, you know, they've got Joss Whedon, which I think is a good thing. He uh, he's got a good mind for ensemble stories, but it's really hard. Iron Man is like a guy who built a robot suit, so you know that's we can get behind that. And to get to Thor, who is like a Norse god. Hang on a second. Hello? Hey. Hey, I'm doing my podcast, man. I'll get with you here in just a little bit, okay? All right, man. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible to turn the ringer off. Well, anyway. What were you saying? Thor, all that. <laughs> It's a leap to go from Iron Man to Thor, even when you have Hulk in the middle. Because Thor is a full-on fantasy concept. Like, the idea of imagining Iron Man in the same world as Thor is, is difficult to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess in the realm of... You know, this, these are comic book movies, so I guess, you know, the pe viewers are going to be willing to accept that element. But, yeah, that's 
And I respect that about Marvel. They're building a mythology around their existing characters. Like, you know, in the Marvel comics, Iron Man exists in the same world as Thor, so get over it. Right. When the Avengers movie, you're going to have Iron Man, you're going to have Thor, you're going to have Captain America, and you're going to have the Hulk. And every other weirdo that we could round up. <laughs> so... Uh, I gotta get out to see Thor. It looks like it's good. I mean, I think I would enjoy it. I I'm not a Thor it, you know, fan. I mean, I, I didn't read Thor growing up, so I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, me but, either. So. But if you like superhero movies, there's there's not a thing wrong with it. It's a good and fun superhero movie. I think Marvel has got their formula figured out, and, and uh, I, they know what to make out of a movie. I'm not excited about Thor. Like, I'm excited about Captain America. I feel like that's the movie I want to see more. But yeah, uh, of course but I enjoyed Thor. Yeah, I'm probably more excited about Captain America too. I'm, I'm really excited about Green Lantern, which is which oh, is yeah. probably the big movie I want to see this year. I mean, for this that's the summer. one I, I actually feel invested in. I'm like, yeah. oh God, please, please let Green Lantern be good and please let it make money. Yeah, I feel like Green Lantern is the key to DC jump starting a mythos, a mythos like like Marvel has, you know. But if Green Lantern is a big fat flop, then like, oh, well, let's just keep making Batman movies and hope for the best. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm worried about it uh, I, because I know people don't really know Green Lantern like they, lo- like they know Batman and Superman and all that. Of course, but but Iron Man was that way too. I mean, most people didn't mm-hmm. know. And about Thor is Iron that Man. way. So, so yeah, what I'm hoping is that enough people will be interested enough to go see it in the opening weekend that it has a strong opening, and I hope it's good and the word of mouth coming back will be like oh hey go see this movie it's good like iron man as a character in comics is not that interesting to people but what they did was they made a really cool movie and so people went back and said well i don't know about iron man comics but go see that movie yeah that's what you need for green lantern and i'm a little distressed about the costume because the costume i'm not that impressed with but the rest of the movie looks looks pretty solid. I mean, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing of the Green Lantern movie. So I hope people don't get turned off by stills they see of the costume, which are a little silly looking. Well, yeah, yeah and that's the that's maybe the maybe the thing is you know people think that the costume looks silly, um, and and I guess but you know. If, superheroes they all wear costumes and they all look silly if you really think about it so yeah and, and it's true and really what what you need to come away with and before green lantern comes out they need to start putting out some promos that show off that it's a fun and funny kind of movie yeah because that's what really sells superhero movies sell on the concept of of adventure if if it's like an adventure film then it's fun to watch and it's funny and it's entertaining and you don't have to get too deep into the story of the character so much as you just have to buy into the premise that that this is a fun adventure like in indiana jones you know that's what people want to see and that's what superhero movies should offer it's like it's obvious by premise that this is ridiculous so there's no sense in trying to sort of rope you into believing this concept but as a sort of overblown, exaggerated genre, as as an idea of like an adventure story, is like the especially like akin to the the old serials. I want you to believe this world just enough to enjoy the 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 antics that it offers. 
And if you and, and if you will accept that, and that's what we're trying to give you, then I think you can get a lot out of it. And then, in anything like that, there's a dramatic element that they can give to the story once you've already bought into the rest of it, and that's fine. But they're not selling you on that dramatic element. They're selling you on the adventure. And hopefully that's what Green Lantern will offer. And I think it will. I think Green Lantern's a great idea for a superhero story. You know, this weird sci-fi idea where he's given this mystical power and becomes like a cop in outer space. <laughs> you know, I think that's a fun adventure. That's a good idea. That's much more interesting than most superhero stories that you see. And hopefully that's what they're giving people and that's what they'll get when they go see Green Lantern and they'll come back. And they got Ryan Reynolds and he's got like a painted on costume so the, the ladies ought to enjoy seeing that. Have you seen the, so the, tra- the new really trailer for it? The I'm I'm actually running the trailer here on mute now. It, it, it actually, I mean, the, watching the trailer for it, this is the first time I've seen it, actually gives me a little bit of hope. <laughs> yeah, the extended trailer that I've seen looks like that they really are, are very serious about presenting the story of Green Lantern. So my my hope is that in doing that, that they'll try to present it in a way that's interesting to new viewers. Because I already feel like this is going to be interesting enough for me, as as a person who enjoys Green Lantern, but you got to be able to package it up. You got to give it that Iron Man package. You got to get it so that people who don't care about Green Lantern will go to this movie and like it. And that's what dictates its success. So hopefully that'll happen. Yeah, I see Angela Bassett's in it. She finally got herself a superhero movie. Should have been Storm. Yeah, better than Halle Berry. Oh yeah. I love Halle Berry, but she shouldn't play superheroes. I'm indifferent to Halle Berry. I'm not indifferent to Halle Berry. I love Halle Berry. <laughs> I, I miss some Halle, Halle Berry. But, but, you know, I thought she did a good enough job of Storm, but that's not... Storm is a sort of majestic goddess figure, you know, like an Iman, like this African goddess. Like, Halle Berry... She doesn't have a regal quality. Right. I'm not saying anything about her acting ability. She's a fine actor. But she doesn't have a regal quality that I would imagine this is a person who's worshipped as a goddess. Nor do they present her that way in those movies. Right. So Storm in the X-Men movies has nothing to do with Storm in the comic. Anyway. Except that she has those powers. Right. So. But, and that... That was the storm I was wanting to see, though, was the storm for the comic books. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, they just filled out an ensemble with a bunch of people wigs and stuff, and then she was one of them. And in the first movie, she tries to do an African kind of accent. In the second movie, she just gives up on it. <laughs> well, whatever. Who cares? So, yeah. I Speaking of X-Men, they got a new X-Men movie coming out, too. Uh, Have first you seen class. the ads for the first class? Uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen much about it actually, but uh, I mean I know about it. You should watch the trailer. The trailer, I mean, it's a dumb idea, but the trailer does make it look like it'd be a good movie. So so is this like who knows? You this know. is Xavier played by what's that kid's name? McAvoy or something? James McAvoy. And then uh, this young dude playing Magneto, and this is them forming the idea 
of what will become the X-Men. The, 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 from the trailer, the movie has an interesting concept, which is that they somehow become embroiled in the Cuban Missile Crisis, and they form like an X-Men team that ends up interceding and stopping the world from, I guess, ending up in nuclear war or whatever. That's the concept in okay. the movie. And I actually kind of appreciate that, that that threading. That seems a little bit more thought out than the Wolverine prequel. But what heroes are going to be there? Uh, well, you've got, uh, from the trailer, as far as I can tell, you've got, obviously, Professor X, Magneto, Mystique. They're presenting as being one of the original X-Men, which is not true. Hmm. Uh, Banshee is in it. The White Queen is in it. I'm not sure if I recognize the other ones. I've seen a couple others, but I'm not sure that I got from the trailer who they're supposed to be. But basically, just some of the original kind of characters that haven't already been used in the movie. Oh, okay. And a girl playing Mystique. You need to check out the Green Lantern site. They have like a, a very extended uh, montage of scenes. Uh that I guess we're showing. Well, go for it, people. I don't. I don't want to see anymore. I'm sold. I'm going to go see it. So, <laughs> but if you're curious about Green Lantern, go check it out. I unfortunately meet people that aren't that excited about Green Lantern, and I think it looks like a very good movie. Well, I mean, and it, I like it Ryan, took, I like Ryan Reynolds. You know. Well, yeah, me too. But it, it, I mean, it took me a while to get warmed up to it because I, I didn't really think that this character could carry a movie, and now I'm starting to think that it can. No, With the extent that they've that done, Green it looks Lantern like they've done. A they've done a a really good job of creating backstory here. The, 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 the production design and the look of, of, you know, the universe is, is really cool. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's got a Green, lot going Green for Lantern it. I feel has like a now. rich universe. Green Lantern in a lot of ways has a richer universe to build a movie around than, than most of the superhero characters that you see in movies. I always said they should make a TV show because it, the concept lent itself to that, but it's mm. just expensive. Yeah. So I, I'm a big, I definitely, am, I'm, I'm putting a lot of faith in the Green Lantern movie, and, and I think that that's something that should, you know people should go see. <laughs> so hopefully it's good, and then people will enjoy it. Did you ever see the Green Hornet? I have it in my Netflix queue. <laughs> I've heard the, the range is I've heard people say that it was all right and that it was awful. <laughs> I've never heard anybody come and say that movie's great. Like that's the best. Like yeah, it's pretty good too. That movie's chucked. Wow. <laughs> I probably like it pretty good. I like Seth Rogen, but you know I haven't put a whole lot into that movie as far as thinking that it was going to be very good. Yeah. But I'll watch it. It's kind of my thoughts too. Is there, are there other, I, I, any other superhero movies coming out this year? Uh, besides Captain America and Green Lantern and X Men hmm. and Thor, <laughs> is that it? That's not enough. That's not enough in a three month period. <laughs> yeah, hmm. not too much. I don't know when DC's planning their to have the new Superman movie out. Hopefully by next year, but. That's that, a, their next big thing. Yeah, that, and that probably like next year is when the new Batman move. Yeah. Oh yeah, they got another reboot going on. I'm surely we discussed this, but but yeah, mm. it's a full reboot. Yeah. The new Superman movie. You get Zack Snyder, uh, Henry Cavill from the Tudors is playing Superman. 
Um, it's called the Man of Steel, I think. Still, that's about the only hold hold off from from. I think that's the only thing that's left from when they originally planned making a follow up to Superman Returns. Because there are no cast members left. Amy Amy Adams is in this film. Ah uh, yes, I'm a big Amy Adams fan. I'm also I'm a big, a big Diane Lane, fan. Diane Lane fan who plays Superman's mother. Plays his mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love her too. And and Kevin Costner is his dad. You know, they got a good cast going on. Uh, Michael Shannon, we mentioned before, is playing uh, Zod. Mm-hmm. So this has all the makings of a good movie. I just want them to be true to the character of Superman, and that's and that's all I ask. Who's directing so that? So that's probably uh, Zack Snyder is directing oh, okay. that one. And then The Dark Knight Rises, I think, is also slated for next year. And that's the final Christopher Nolan Batman movie. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one too because they. I'm sure it'd be good. Well, the I mean, they was, actually, I mean, was, it was a well, really yeah, good movie. That, that, the first time in a long time they've actually got me looking forward to a sequel because of where they left it. Um, well, Batman Begins, I thought, like, did a good job, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what they do, and they're going to do the Joker. I think it's all downhill from there. I think I don't think they can top the Dark Knight, but I think it'll be good. But I don't think they can top that. Plus, you can't top Batman versus the Joker. This new movie has Selena Kyle, maybe or maybe not, Catwoman, who knows? This new movie has their own interpretation of Bane which is one of the worst Batman villains ever. <laughs> so, so, and I'm sure their interpretation will be interesting and fresh and good. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying when you say you were doing the Joker, you're like, oh, good. The Joker is what I want to see. And then when you say you're doing Bane, you're like, oh, God. So you have to have a new interpretation of Bane because in the comics, he's just a big roided out luchador. And he was never a good character. Well, it, it almost sounds like it. Uh, I mean, just from from the sounds of who they're looking at, uh, what the characters, villains that they're looking at, it's going to be a situation where Catwoman's the brains and Bane is the brawn. You know, I don't know yeah. because they got the dude. What's the name of the dude from Inception? But Thomas Hardy, I think, is yeah. the guy's name, playing Bane, who is a big he's a big departure from the comic book concept. And even in the the early interviews, Christopher Nolan was saying that they had a sort of interesting interpretation of this character as a nemesis. So I think that they're going to come up with a more cerebral Bane because in the comic books, the storylines had Bane being kind of a mastermind. But, you know, he was just a big roided out luchador. So, <laughs> like, it's hard to reconcile one with the other. So I have a feeling that Bane may be a more interesting character the way they represent him than he was in the comics. And he pretty much have to be. Because he's, he's sort of like the Ra's al Ghul in the comics where he'll, he figures out Batman's secret identity. He releases everyone from Arkham Asylum just to mess with him. You know, he's the guy that Batman doesn't want to mess with because he doesn't just come out to fist fight him. He just keeps hitting him with this stuff to wear him down. 
And then when there's nothing left, then he wants to come fight him. So I could see that being a good thing. I saw a Fast Five. <laughs> oh, you did? I did. How was that? I actually kind of want to see Dude. that movie. I mean, because it's got... They're not, they're not bad. The, you know, the first I... one I thought was okay. The second one was... Ugh. Um, well, here's the thing. Here's Let me break down the Fast and Furious franchise for you because mm-hmm. a lot of people... What's funny is a lot of people like these movies, but they don't notice what's going on. So I'll break it down for all of you really <laughs> fast. Fast and Furious, total point break ripoff. Point for point. It's point break. The only thing that differ, that differs is that Diesel lives at the end, which is good because it's where this franchise takes off. Fast and Furious 2, Diesel wants too much money. They just bring back Walker with some dude, and it's crapola. It's a terrible movie. They don't even try. Too fast, too furious. Awful. So that's so bad that they retire the the concept of the first film and just make Tokyo Drift, where they bring in some new dude, they bring in a new story. It's about just guys in Japan who have a new way of, of racing cars. And that movie's actually good. It's fun. But then to be cheeky at the end, they bring in Diesel for a cameo. And he's like, Hey, you used to know Han? The dude that dies in three, by the way. <laughs> I was a friend of Han. Let's race. And because of that, that spirals the entire franchise off into these limitless possibilities. Because when they come back and do the, the Fast Furious, Fuff Fuff, or Fuff Five, or Fuff Fuff, or Fuff Four, or whatever it's called, that movie is just too them fast, trying to revitalize well, the... Too, what, what no, was? this is... I think it's just called Fast and Furious. They just start. Let's break this down to the fundamentals, and the fundamentals being that there's just too many words in these titles. <laughs> That's been our problem. Let's get it back down to the basics. <laughs> so, Fast and Furious is the fourth film, and Diesel comes back, and Walker is back, and they've killed Michelle Rodriguez, and there's this whole sort of action revenge storyline. And because in the third film he like sort of is cheeky and says, "Hey, I knew Han." Well, this film becomes a prequel, and Han's in the prequel. And so then they do this thing, and they make <laughs> Fast Five. Fast Five is a direct follow-up to the fourth film, where I mean, literally, like what happens in the the last minute of the fourth film, the 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 fifth film picks up exactly from there. So now we're in what is essentially a second prequel because now they call in like let's call in all our friends because it's a heist flick now, like it's not an action film anymore. So like so Ocean's Tokyo 11. Drift then is technically the last movie in the series. Technically, it is. It's the ultimate chapter of the Fast and Furious saga. Yes. Okay. And it all hinges on, for whatever reason, this desperate need to keep Han alive. <laughs> I didn't think of him as a linchpin character, but they're like, even at the end of Fast Five, they're like, don't you want to go back to Tokyo? He's like, yeah, eventually. And he takes off to like Berlin or something like So there's going to be like all these other Han adventures before he eventually meets up with the kid from American Gothic and gets killed. (laughs) So so what what makes this movie interesting to me is that it features two action actors who I feel like 
may have squandered their potential. Well, that's probably true in the case of the Rock. I'm not sure it's true in the case of Diesel. Really? I mean, I feel like I feel like they both have kind of screwed it up. I mean, I think Diesel has has realized exactly his potential. In fact, he may have he may have exceeded expectation after Riddick. It's like I think the best thing he ever did was go back to Fast and Furious because everything started to go wrong when he deviated. Well, he tried to do the comedy route for a while also. Yeah, and that was pretty bad. And uh, He and Rock had the same, probably, I don't know if they had the same agent or what, but they had that same need to make really stupid kid comedies. But then he made Riddick, which is almost unforgivable by itself. Yeah, that movie was Thinking the bad. Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, my God. The video that was going to somehow spark The video some game that came out at that time was pretty good. But, uh, but yeah, and it but looks this, like, you know, Rock is kind of starting to figure it out, too. It's like, you know, he's he's actually been going back. He's actually even going back to wrestling, you know, as a I don't want him to go back to wrestling, though. It's like, come on, rein it in, Rock. You don't have to go back to wrestling, but stop making crappy movies. Even Fast Five is better than you making The Tooth Fairy. Like, you know, just make action movies. It doesn't have to be anything serious. Just make action movies. Fast Five is fun because it's just stupid action. It's like a heist and the car, fast cars and all this stuff. And, like, they have everybody that they could find from every other Fast and Furious movie but the kid from Tokyo Drift because he doesn't exist yet in the franchise. (laughs) (laughs) They might as well make a prequel and bring back Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, while we're talking about the summer movie preview, I'm seeing the commercial for that movie, Priest. Have you seen the previews for that? Yeah, a little bit. What is up with Paul Bettany, man? You talk about someone squandering his potential. Yeah, he's a pretty good actor. I really like him. He's good roles. I don't know. Why is he trying to be an action star? He was in that Legion movie where he plays like like an angel fighting angels which i don't have a problem with but it just wasn't a good movie it may just be bad agents i'd like to know now he's like playing a priest who fights vampires in the future it's <laughs> like why didn't why didn't that make your neck hairs go up when someone pitched that it's like it's about a priest who fights vampires in the future whoop hold up <laughs> i've heard enough that may be a good show actually is like you know we go and investigate actors who have screwed up their career and find out who their agents are and, and warn people not to try to get those agents. Like Cuba Gooding Jr. Who the hell is his agent? Yeah, we call this the Cuba Fraser yeah. defense. Like, do you have the same exact agent as Brendan Fraser? <laughs> Why is he in all these movies about animals that attack him? Well, Brendan Fraser has made, actually been able to make it work. I mean, when's the last time you've seen Cuba? I'm sure uh, like we, we could IMDB them if you're really curious. <laughs> I bet they'd measure up. You just haven't seen the Cuba movies because Cuba keep, Cuba's now making direct-to-video movies about hitmen. Man, that's, that's what so Cuba's sad. up to lately. Academy Brendan Award Fraser winner. is like getting attacked by squirrels. Like, <laughs> guys, I mean, what is happening? Are you what? Are you reading the scripts at all? Did you just sign a a twenty-year contract? Kenneth Branagh makes the war. It's really clever. It's funny to me. Oh, Conan. Conan's coming out this summer, and that looks like an awesome movie, by the way. 
Yeah, I want to see that one. Those are pretty good. The trailers are looking good. Looks very Conan. Uh, Jason Momoa seems transformed in that role because he does not look like himself at all in that role. But he sure does look like Conan. He's also in Game of Thrones. I don't know if you have HBO or... Yeah, I've been watching it. It's good. It's a good show. It's a good so show. Mm-hmm. I've been enjoying the Game of Thrones quite quite a bit. And I will tell you that I'm so excited to see Peter Dinklage in a very serious, dramatic role. Yeah, me too. I'm, I mean, I'm mesmerized by him in this movie. Yeah, and well, and also, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious think. to see what his fate is. He He kind of... He kind of stepped They're in pretty bad last night. They're trying to suggest that night, maybe he's but, uh, a bad guy, and then yeah, there's they, they've put him. But I'm I'm hoping that he comes up because he's the one person on the show that seems like you know maybe a good character even. Well, yeah, really like a, well, a thoughtful character. You, you know, he yeah he seems to be the one character who may change his behavior because uh, the other seems like all the others are just archetypes. You know, they they're all doing their thing and. Uh, but this guy yeah. has Even some like layers. Even like Sean Bean, Bean yeah. who I enjoy, although I have to say after this episode, it seems like they're about to just propel everybody into conflict. And I'm I'm liking that. I thought it was going to be about intrigues for a while. And now it seems like, nope, nope, nope. By about episode four, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Good. Because this thing needs to come to a head. And I really want to see him sort of take a, a, a stronger role in the show as a character because I I just feel like where his character is going, that what what they think he's done is not is not going to be him. Because I feel like he's the one character that seems to really have a sim a sort of sensibility, and I hope that's true. And certainly he's the the actor that can bring that out. Sean Bean, you're talking about. No, I'm talking about Peter Dinklage. Oh, Peter Dinklage. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been talking yeah, about him I, like, so what you I like no. Sean Bean as well, but, oh, uh, but I'm hoping that, that Peter Dinklage's character is the one. Even Sean Bean is somewhat flawed. His character is somewhat flawed as far as... Well, being overly honorable to, to some extent. You know, he's a very well, black and, and serving white. serving of his king is very like, black basically, and white. Now he's dealing with all these... Yeah, look, look at your life. Your, your friend the king shows up for the weekend just to say, hey, and then, you know, your kid almost gets killed, and then you've got to murder your daughter's dog and all this. Like, holy shit, you guys are just here for the weekend. <laughs> I'm not inviting you back. Christ. <laughs> yeah, you're the worst friend ever. Thanks, thanks for coming by. Like, yeah, I want you... Your your daughter to marry my my shit heel son. It's like uh, re- thank you. Well, man. So yeah, his sense of honor seems to be you know damaging his character and you know the, the, his family. But Dinklage is already damaged. His character is already sort of forgotten, and he seems to sort of have a grip on his own sense of not necessarily morality or decency, but his sense of the world <laughs> and his character is a really interesting character. And, and, and there's no one better to play this character, but him. And I'm hoping that he remains that way because he's such a captivating actor that I'm hoping that, you know, that that character remains as interesting also, because I get tired. HBO's bad for this where, you know, they're creating these shows where, there's no one good. 
and you get caught up in the intrigues and you're interested, but you're not really caring about the characters because they're all bad. Yeah, that's kind of the way Big Love uh, played out. Big for Love me. got that way to where and all Big the Love characters just became so in, unredeemable. You, know? you really didn't care what yeah, happened to I'm kind of glad that you killed Bill. Yeah, because <laughs> that was the only way that show could end. Well, he I totally, I totally knew. I mean, I saw that coming a mile away. They were. Going, it was just a matter yeah. of who was going to kill Bill. Well, plus it was, you know, the, such a, kind of an American Beauty ending. You know, it's such a cop out kind of ending when you have a character like that instead of giving him an, a legitimate redemption, you just kill him, and then it, that that becomes his redeeming moment. And I thought that was good for that show because that sort of made it the concept like you may have thought the thesis of the show was about this family coming together around this man but no the thesis of the show and the concept of the show is about how these women all actually come to love each other and that's the the a, a sort of pure idea of love because it's not romantic they're just actually it's are just believing in family and what muddies that is this character Bill. So we must remove him by the end of the show to let you know that that love remains even in his absence. In fact, it's actually purified. Right. Because it's not tainted by his ideology and his, yeah, he's a flawed character and he's a selfish character. And so it sort of takes away from the idea of the love of this family when you see that it's represented to him. But when you take him away and you see them, holding true to each other and standing by each other, then you're like, well, that's real love. Like, God, that's, that's in a crazy way. That's real, like, that they would even be with each other. And it makes it more like real family. That was a good way to end that show. Because, God, I hated Bill <laughs> as a character. <laughs> the best thing you could have done for him. Like, what a just total hypocrite. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it it got to the point where my wife and I were watching it, and it was like, you know, he was just totally a jerk, you know, just pushing his family over the edge over yeah. some sort of ideological point. But then he yeah. wouldn't live up to his own ideal. Yeah, all the know? while he's like, you know, sending out one of his wives to be a spy. He's, you know... Uh, yeah, and then he the, ends up having a cheating on all his wives and having a baby out of marriage and all this kind of stuff. Like, God. And then by the last season, they're like, oh, yeah, when you married that girl, she was like 16. Like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, <laughs> you hound. <laughs> no good. <laughs> so there was only one good way to take that. But in in Game of Thrones, I'm not saying I don't I want the characters to be more pure, but I think you need a character, and this Peter Dinklage character is a good one because he's sort of you know as the imp, he's sort of like the the jester. Yeah. And in a Shakespearean sense, you need that that flawed character to be able to speak his mind and and put everything in perspective. <laughs> so I kind of hope they don't make it so that he's part of these intrigues. Is like his. What makes him interesting right now is he seems to be above the intrigue. You know, he seems to be intrigued by the intrigue. You're right, right. But but the turn of events at the end of this last episode may throw him into uh you know, more of the intrigue. Well, I'm hoping that this is this is a turning point where they sort of like grab him because he's implicated in, in what's happened to the kid i hope that becomes the opportunity for for them to establish well no that wasn't me 
because I really appreciate, you know, Sean Bean is such a political character in the show, but his wife is so, like, I think that guy tried to kill my son, so crap. <laughs> and I'm going to kill him. Like, finally, good. I, I get tired of these intrigues where no one says what they mean. <laughs> She's just like, grab the midget. He killed my kid. <laughs> you know, so let's get this all out there. That's what I feel like. Oh, in the next episode, we're just going to get it all out there one way or the other. And we'll, no more dancing around the issue. Yeah, I, I do think that the show probably will end up re- revolving around him to some him and uh, the princess, the Cal- Calabrese. Uh, you know, Calabrese. Yeah, man. Yeah. Who's God? They got to just kill her brother and be done with it. Oh, I said God, that from man. episode I, one when they. I mean, from the more, second I've he never showed seen up, somebody more in need of killing than him. <laughs> yeah, from the minute he was in the show, and then he's, you know, like I would let everybody in that tribe have you if I could be my, if if, if I could get my army back. And you knew, like, all that's going to happen is she's going to, like, you know, twist this Conan guy into into to doing her bidding, and just have him like just rip that guy's head off because he's a jerk off. Well, I'm I'm and, ready for his head to be ripped off. And that's where it's, it's, it's going to happen prick. at this point. He doesn't even understand. He's like, this is my army. It's like, look, you don't understand. <laughs> I was brought in to pleasure the, the Conan. And uh, he commands the army. You're the only thing that doesn't matter to the process. You're just the weirdo that bothers us. <laughs> so you you need to back off. That's all I'm saying. Because you've already, in two episodes in a row, almost gotten killed for being a bitch to me. So, I'm just saying. He's like, he's moving my army in the wrong direction. It's like, not your army. <laughs> I don't know how many times we have to tell you. <laughs> you know, maybe so if we stuck this sword up your ass, it. you might see it different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So that's where that's headed, which is good because that guy is—he's not useful at all. Uh, you knew from the second he showed up, he's molesting his sister, and then he's like, "I would whore you out to every everybody in the world." It's like, why are you coming back calling me a slut then? You you gave me to these barbarians. <laughs> I just started working the angles. Now you're blaming me? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I just figured out how how to make it work to my advantage instead of yours. Well, yeah, I think she's like going to be prominent. I, of course, he, they're going to keep him around because he's going to be the, the one, I guess, that probably pushes everything over the edge yeah, or almost over the edge. Shit heel on the show for a while. Yeah. So, but I mean, all in all, so far, so good. I'm, I'm real, I'm, I'm happy that they've taken on. A, a series like this. Yeah, and they're already they've already renewed it. They're wanting to do a second season. They're excited about the show, you know, so it really is. I mean, there's so it, HBO shows are sort of bittersweet because you only end up with like 10 episode seasons. It seems like just when you're getting into a show, it the season's over. But well, they really know how to get you in. It's like the True Blood thing. They really know how to rope you into it. Well, that's true. They know how to get you in, but I do worry that they, it seems like they 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 always play out in an unsatisfying way. You know, you, you like like you were saying, you end up just disliking all the characters for well, one reason or another. I love HBO because their their whole goal is to create thought pro- 
provoking and, and discussion provoking programming. That's their whole concept. But because of that, every one of their shows is in its own way a soap opera. Because it's more interesting to them what you know what the punch at the end of a show is than it is to really create characters that you empathize with. You may sympathize with these characters, you may enjoy them, but you don't end up empathizing with them because they all end up being so bad that you just you just don't root for them. You're interested. You can't wait to see what they do next, but you don't root for them. Yeah. HBO is in no way a creator of heroes. That's not their goal. They're good. They make good shows. They're so interesting to watch, but they're all, you know, soap operas because they just they're they're leading the league in that sort of gritty kind of programming. You know, we're like, I can't believe they did that. It's good, but it, it, it's sort of a, it's a fleeting style of storytelling in that because every HBO show that's ever come out will be more than likely forgotten. Or let me let me say the characters will be. The show may be remembered as being good, but you don't have you won't have iconic characters that come from an HBO show. Because HBO doesn't trouble itself to create characters. It troubles itself to create situations that are striking to you. And th- in, it in works. most cases, good yeah. Shows. The only one I can think of is like that Eastbound and Down. That guy's that's a strong character. <laughs> but just because he's as a comedy, he's yeah. still <laughs> he's horrible too. Oh, uh, we'll see. Well, yeah, <laughs> I kind of got why I don't his, watch that show because he's just so. You but know, that's what the character is. That's where the comedy comes from. He's <laughs> just such, just such a bitter redneck retard. <laughs> and Danny McBride plays him so well. But again, you're not rooting for the goodness of the character. That's never what you're you're at HBO for. And as much as I love HBO, that is a that is a, a sort of shortcoming of them in their storytelling style. They're not interested in creating, like, you know, USA is always congratulating themselves for being about characters. And USA as a network kind of is. Like, they they do create characters that are interesting to you, that you actually want to root for. You're not rooting for anybody in HBO. Character-driven TV shows. I mean, like, you know, each show always has at least one character that the show couldn't survive without, you know. Yeah, because that's what the show is, is the character. Yeah. HBO shows aren't the character, you know, and it's almost brilliant in its own way. Like the character becomes irrelevant because it's like when you're watching True Blood and like, you know, Bill basically becomes worse and worse and worse in True Blood, you're like, finally, I've hated that guy from episode one. <laughs> so you're sort of rooting against who's been presented as the main character. Like, oh, I hope they die. Because you're rooting for the situation. You're interested in that. You're not interested in the characters. In True Blood, the only character that I even care about at all is Lafayette. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool character. Uh, and they're, they're, they're wanting so bad to ruin him, and I think one more season they'll probably have, have done that too. One more season probably give them what they need to make Lafayette I like Sam in that show too. He's pretty cool. But they're working on him hard too. Yeah, they've he given was him like damage this him, last season. You know? you know, where he just suddenly went crazy for no reason. And 
we'll see at the beginning of next season exactly how irretrievable that becomes. Yeah. Or but well, maybe unless they just go is. off in a different direction, entourage style. You know, they just and, go off. <laughs> it's hard to say. Last season ended with him maybe killing his own brother, and then Sookie got taken off in a spaceship by fairies. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you got to give them. They know how to leave you interested for more. But it's it's all experience based. It's all like daytime drama based. It's none of it is based on oh I really care about these characters. I wonder what's going to happen. Well, Not I think all. the the fun thing about True Blood though is that they've, I mean they they have figured out that they are just campy, yeah. You know they got fun it, stuff. You know and they and they're not. And they're not trying to keep it grounded in any way. And, and you expect that, you know, from, from True Blood. And that's so. what makes it work. Yeah. That's the formula that makes True Blood work. See, the problem with, with watching, like, Six Feet Under, which was a character drama, is, like, by the end, it's like, you know, this is the scream fest of the week. I'm so sick of this. I'm so sick of seeing these people screaming at each other all the time. I don't care. But True Blood, it's like, who cares what the characters do? It's like they're all vampires and werewolves and wizards and fairies. When they get <laughs> bored with a the character, they're like, what kind of magical power can Lafayette have? Because I'm getting sick of him. Like every time, like, this is what you need in every show. Just when it gets boring, just come up with some ridiculous yeah. fantasy element. Now that said, like you said, I don't I don't like the, uh, the Sam story arc right now. That's... Uh, it, you know, having him with this backstory where he is a robber and all this. Yeah, you know. they tried to figure out some kind of storyline, some backstory that would be interesting, and it didn't work. Yeah. But I really that said, I'm that looking Sam forward to it. Work it comes is, out, starts again up later this month, or later in June, I think. So I'm oh, no doubt. But don't mistake HBO. For you guys that make HBO shows, I know you're all back, you're patting yourself on the back all the time about all the Emmys and stuff. Well, of course, you have all the money in the world to make these TV shows, and you're good writers. You know, of course, that's you're going to get awards and stuff, but you're not making characters that matter. So know that. I love these shows, but just understand that I don't care about any of the people in them. So as a writer, that there's a difference there. I'm more interested in people trying to create iconic characters or memorable characters or relatable characters. I'd like to see more of that. But in lieu of that, then just keep the mindless parade of nudity and violence and, and, and nonsense that makes HBO shows fun. But don't mistake that for actual storytelling quality. And I say that with love. I do. but But do bear in mind... That that's not the same as creating quality stories. Yeah, and, and that's where they get lost. You know, the, the it seems like it seems like they never like when they start a series, they never have a clear idea of how it's eventually going to play out, and and that's okay, I guess. But I, well, case in point to me was that like that you you saw Rome, right? You followed that show. Uh, that was one that I felt like kind of staggered all over the place before it finally got to the ending that it needed to have. And uh, because they were, they, they, I feel like, well, what they call down here in the South, they, they were chasing rabbits. <laughs> and, and they do that a lot in HBO shows. Is that They go off and this, these weird tangents and they hang out there for a few weeks and then uh, they come back and then it ends up not having anything to do with the rest of the story. Because so. what HBO is built around water cooler talk. 
They yeah. they build the shows around milestones that usually end up at the end, of, you know, the ending of every episode. It's like Game of Thrones is a perfect example. You know, you don't know what to make of any of these characters, and then at the very end of episode one, we find out, oh, that guy's having sex with his sister. That's pretty weird. And then he tries to kill a kid, and you're like, oh, well, now I know everything about that guy. Yeah, that guy's a jackass. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter because really, you know everything about the show. Because that's what the show is all about. But well, they that's had a, HBO. I mean, they're only like, four episodes in. They haven't had a dud episode yet to where there just hasn't no, been anything of interest. It's a great show. Yeah. But but I feel like it, it it could fall into the same problem with all with every other HBO show, which is it becomes event oriented. Well, episode two will end with this, and episode three will end with this. It's like that's great if you're writing like a cliffhanger serial which seems to be in some degree what you think you're doing. But the limitation of that formula is that you're not building around the characters like you should be. And so far, it seems like Game of Thrones is, so I don't want it to fall into that sort of caricature, that two-dimensional storytelling that HBO seems to be so, you know, so prominently built around. So we'll just have to see. I know that... that for me to say all that, it sounds like I don't like HBO at all, but I really do like HBO shows. The only reason I buy HBO is because I watch their shows, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, they they have some of the best shows out there as far as, uh, as as far as pay TV. To me, like if you like the Showtime shows are just cheap knockoffs. <laughs> yeah, it's, sometimes. I mean, Dexter is... Stands out. Dexter, I think, is a very is a quality TV show. I'm a big uh, fan of Dexter. Really, I've never but, seen um, Dexter, and I haven't seen Nurse. Um, was it? I haven't, I haven't seen any uh, of those other. I don't think I've seen any other. I watched Weeds for a while, and I got tired of it. But, oh, Weeds is awful. Uh, it, yeah, weeds started out really good. And, yeah, and I watched the first two seasons. Then after season two, I said, "This looks like it's going to suck from now on." Yeah, and, and then that's pretty, pretty much, much what everybody said. Like, yeah, it does. It does. After that, like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's your a, instincts are correct. We uh, you know, we we actually during the snow and stuff we've had here lately, we ended up having a weeds marathon, and we we watched the whole series run, and uh, and uh, yeah, I was really disappointed in it. I, I don't know if they're coming back. Um, I haven't heard. They they sort of ended it, kind of in a place where it could end and be okay, but but I, if it does come back, I kind of doubt I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I'm. I have no problem with, and I know a lot of people have this trouble when they they build a certain loyalty to a series. They feel like they have to, but I have no problem if I'm like a couple years into a series and I already see it going south, then just leave it. If it doesn't feel like it's getting better, because they don't, they never come back. You know, that's the that's the biggest heartache ever of fans is when they're watching a show that's obviously gone off the tracks. And they just feel like, oh, it, it could come back, though. It's like, it's not, it's not coming back. I know this is a silly example, but I'm kind of feeling that way with Doctor Who. It's a. I'm, I'm enjoying Doctor Who. I, I just can't I don't think warm up they to this new Doctor. I mean, he's, he's, he's not as good as David Tennant. I've really, I've enjoyed him. I, what I wonder about, and and I haven't had a problem with this, but you know, it's all new creators and everything too. Right. But I think they've got a good thing going on. I just, I feel like the, the, it seems like the the goal in Doctor Who is to try to keep getting weirder. 
And and obviously Doctor Who can get weird at this part of it, but but I don't think you should be overly complex necessarily. I feel like they may be pushing it too hard. But I'm I'm not I'm not complaining. I I'm enjoying Doctor Who, but I do sort of fear that that that's where it's headed. I actually don't feel like it's getting weirder at all. I feel like it's starting to get into a formula. I mean, it's it's evil creature of the week attacking Earth. How long has it been since they've been off Earth? I mean, well, that's just the, the nature of the TV show. Now they do it every now and then, but. But I've just accepted that ever since it came back, that most of the storylines are going to revolve around Earth. Well, I know that. But, I know most of them will. But, I mean, during the David Tennant ones, they would go to different places. I mean, they'd always end up back at Earth for whatever reason, but they but they went to different you know, what planets. What I'm getting kind of tired of is that is they, this, they feel like they have to have some major storyline around the doctor like a major sort of emotional storyline and this is not just the new matt smith doctor they did this in the david Tennant too it's like they feel like they have to build to this big storyline around the doctor and doctor who typically was not about that before you know what i mean like personal stories it seems like they're they're they're, they're very big on building personal stories around doctor who well i'm i'm fine with that as long as the as long as the personal stories are compelling and they resolve them. I, I feel like they, there's been a lot that they haven't resolved with the doctor as, as far as like, you know, the, the time war and him having to destroy Gallifrey and all that, you know, and how tormented he was about that. They just have dropped that. I, I've been saying this forever and I believe it and I'm getting mad because now you got enough doctors to the, in the recent years <laughs> They need another crossover doctor. You know, they need like a four doctors. Yeah, you they know, do. You need to bring in Matt Smith, David Tennant, Christopher Eccleston, and Paul McGann, who were the last four people to play the doctor, and all of which have have not participated in a crossover doctor event. So, obviously, you could also do Sylvester McCoy if you really wanted to do one because he didn't. He never got a chance to to do a crossover Doctor event either. But let's just do the last four. And these guys have, in recent memory, all played the Doctor. They're all in good health. I've seen Paul McGann and things. He's he's holding up. He was he's the oldest of the people who last played the Doctor, and you know got the least play. So I'd like to see him just on that level. Yeah, I'd like to see him just be able to. Uh, to finally uh, get to play the doctor, other than just on radio and then that one yeah. brief thing. So to have uh, like the reunion of the three doctors who have become who are the most recent incarnations, and to sort of bring in the doctor who never really got his due, and to have you know the doctor since Doctor Who came back, they've been building up to to returning to all the things that made Doctor Who awesome. You know, they eventually brought back the Daleks. They eventually brought in the Cybermen. They they've had all these storylines. They brought in Davros eventually. You know, they brought back the Master. You know, they've done all the classics. The one thing they have not done is that they have not right. done the big Doctor crossover. That's what they're missing. And I think that that would help bring everything together, you know, to for the fans of the new series to see all of the Doctors from the new series and fans of the old series to also get to see Palm again and, and to enjoy that sort of fun crossover that we're used to seeing. You know, that's what they really need to get into. 
Yeah, I, I would like what, to see that. I don't that. know what their problem is with that. That's a, that's a no-brainer. That's just me thinking off the top of my head of all the things you haven't done with the new doctor. So why not they, bring that one in? They won't do this, but I've also thought that it would be kind of cool, like for a Christmas special or, or something, if they went back and covered uh, the Time War and and had that be a Paul McGann story. I'd love that. That would be awesome. Like you just begin, like they begin the show, you know, where you're, you see Matt Smith and then like you see time roll back and whatever. And, and then there's here's, Paul McGann. And then here's that, what you should do. Storyline terminates in Chris Eggleston and him regenerating into Chris. I'm going to give you this. I'll give you this. This is what you should do. You should do that. And then you should move forward into a Christopher Eccleston story that's somewhat tied into that storyline. Then you should do a David Tennant episode that is also somewhat tied into that storyline, and it should culminate in a crossover episode. Like so this is cool. something you should do over the case of like a season: a Paul McGann episode, a Christopher Eccleston episode, a David Tennant episode, and a Matt Smith episode. And then in the fifth episode, there is actually a crossover of all of them. So that would event. be cool. And that, that would be would that would be, be a awesome. really neat idea and be one of those uh, you know, you know how the BBC every once in a while have a se- season where there's only like five episodes. Yeah, you know? build that. That's a but whole the, year. And you yeah. then you could and it doesn't even have to be five because then you could have that be a multi-parter. That could be a two-parter or a three-parter. So you could end up making like seven episodes. So you, that would be an event for one year where you have like you have these episodes that build to this, and then you have like a three-part crossover of all of these characters together. That's an event. That's a series by itself, and that would be totally worth doing. Yeah, I'd like so to see something do like that. that. I feel like right now they're just starting to retread their own ideas. Yeah, well. You got to give him credit because you know this this Matt Smith not only is just a new guy playing the Doctor, but they also you know it's a new creator doing the series, so they're getting their Doctor Who legs. I've always loved about Doctor Who that it can sort of change hands as far as actors and and writers and stuff, but it still remains Doctor Who, and I think I think that they they still have that. I get I guess so. I I just really like David Tennant and though and that period in the in the show because I, I liked that he was a tormented doctor you know that he had some backstory that that actually damaged him a little bit and you got to see little bits and pieces of it. I, I just never got to see enough of that and now i feel like they've just gone past it you know so. well that's the nature of doctor who but i think you get a little bit of that in matt smith too i think i think there are layers to the character that as as they've created it and i like I like his surrounding cast too. I like his his side characters. Yeah, I, I like. Um, uh, yeah, I do. I like all of them actually. And of course, you know they've they got an element of mystery with with River Song who <laughs> who she's Which she's is sort of a sad, she tragic knows way character. more than what you would think anybody would know about you know how well, to operate the TARDIS and things like out, that. Like know? their relationship is is happening backwards. Like it's mm-hmm. happening from opposite ends. So every time she sees him, she knows more about him. And every time she sees him, he recognizes her less. <laughs> like, so their relationship is on opposite ends. It's a very interesting concept for, for time travel. I think they got a neat, they got a neat thing going on. 
my my note is that I that I fear that you're going to get overly weird and complex in your stories, or feel that they have to be more dramatic. the The concept of Doctor Who that makes it work is introducing interesting ideas, and it's less about introducing angsty ideas, like or introducing things that are too dramatic for the characters. It's more about the weird things that they they encounter and really doctor the doctor's indifference makes it work because he's so numbed to just completely bizarre experiences <laughs> that a he seeks out he seeks them more but b his reaction to them is just sort of casual so you can't have the doctor running around getting scared about things or excited about things or having it because, you know, at, at a to a point the doctor just isn't capable of caring at that level because he yeah. knows that all things will end. Well, I think that's maybe where the genius of Tom Baker was because he was he was very much that kind of doctor. It's like you know you'd have, you know, blood spurting creatures coming out of the you know out of mush pits or whatever and their companions would be screaming their heads off and he would be just all cool <laughs> yeah and, I, and he, I think every doctor has sort of a little bit of uh, an element of that and I think that's what they yeah. need to keep not that the doctor needs to be completely dispassionate but I think that that's a fine line that you have to always run and I think you're right part of what 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 makes it not work in a way is that they're always on earth because there seems to be an ever increasing body of characters that seem that knows him and speaks to him you know whereas the right. doctor as a loner you know when he's traveling through time and space he doesn't always run into people he knows or who know him and that becomes interesting too you know we've lost a little bit of that there's a, there's a charm to the doctor where he would walk outside the TARDIS and as soon as he walked out he'd trip over a dead body and that was the beginning of an episode <laughs> you know oh now they think I killed this guy <laughs> and we have to get through that but you know if every time I every time I meet an alien race they know me you know and are afraid of me and every time I run into people, I have a reputation. That's something that wasn't as prominent in the old Doctor that you see in the new series ever since they've been running them. It's like this idea yeah. that I'm famous to the universe as the Doctor. And I don't like that. I like where he's a traveler who just kind of dumbasses into situations that a normal person would have been able to avoid by just employing common sense. It seems like everybody in the universe knows who he is except people on Earth. <laughs> yeah, and even and, on Earth he's becoming more and more popular. I would like to see that more of him traveling around, and I do agree on this, that more of him traveling around the unknown void of the universe just falling into adventures. Yeah, I mean, because it just seems, and I know why they do it. I mean, it's probably budgetary. They don't have to build spaceships. and They don't well, have that's to, one you thing, know, sure. You know, and, robots and, plus, and creatures, and yeah. You know. As opposed to the old Doctor, which was a series of serials over a certain amount of time, you know, they've got like twelve episodes to a series. They know they're building to, so they're always building towards a storyline. And so we can't have him just randomly having adventures very much because we always have to be building to the storyline, and by episode twelve, it has to culminate. Well, and they and it seems like they always want to make sure that it comes around to saving the earth in one way or another. Yeah, uh, 
which gets I, tedious. If after you've saved the earth two or three I mean, times, why does he got to save cares? the earth? He doesn't necessarily have to save the earth. <laughs> why does it have to be the earth? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the doctor's always saving something. That's just the nature of the doctor. But it doesn't always have to be the earth. I get it in the early years because every season was about introducing some new menace that was an old villain. You know, we're going to introduce Daleks and they're invading the earth. Now Cybermen are invading the earth. And, you know, and the Master is taking over the earth. Like, but we're done with that. You know, now it's a new Doctor. We've we've brought in everything. You know, just just go ahead. You know, save some other planet. See how it feels. Try it out. <laughs> well, they did that. I mean, during the David Tennant era you know he and also during the chris eggleston era they visited other worlds or they visited earth in the distant future or the distant past and you know to where it was just more interesting it seems like now they're pretty much hanging around in the present you know traveling yeah i I, a little bit you know maybe 30 years one way or another and so i mean yeah it seems like the they're they're getting a little less dimension all these these stories so and well, i'm a little that concerned to... the the new storyline i'm not following because the new storyline the doctor shows up and he lures them all into this place and then this spaceman in an astronaut outfit murders him in front of everybody right and we flash back to you know a younger doctor obviously because they're like how old are you he's like i'm like 900 or something and they're like they like flash back and he's like 800 and something so there's a world of problems that this opens up for me first of all we have locked into the idea that matt smith is going to be the doctor for like a hundred years of continuity which you you know you can explain that away in lots of ways you know we don't see necessarily every adventure every doctor ever has they go in this you know they zip off in the TARDIS they could be gone for 50 years at a stretch for all we know so that's okay yeah but but I, but I thought that too was storyline that, apparently... that we see him killed in that incarnation and he is absolutely killed how are they going to write their themselves around that because this is not the final incarnation of the Doctor. We didn't see the final death of the Doctor in this in this Matt Smith incarnation. So, what happened? What's going to happen in this storyline that negates that? Because I, don't know. I, I guess know we'll you're, see. Yeah, I guess we will. Because I know uh, you, but, you're thinking but, I'm telling a time travel story. That's the way a time travel. Story. Yeah, but you're you're writing a character that must exist beyond the incarnation that you are writing because that's the nature of the character. So you can't write the end of that character in this incarnation. Right. You don't. You don't. Well, own I mean, that. at least I hope right. they. I mean, I, I, well, of course they're not. They're not going to kill off the Doctor that way. I mean, I hope if they ever decide to to give the Doctor his final death, it's going to be something bigger than that. Well, yeah, and obviously they got to write something that explains that away. But that that just means no know, knowing this show and knowing the Doctor, then I know that what we just saw wasn't even remotely what they thought they just saw. That it negates the concept of the story. So we'll see. I mean, I certainly haven't lost faith. I'm enjoying the show. I I I like the new Doctor, not like the new stories. But I do agree. There's a couple things I'd like to see them moving toward. I'm, uh, I'm going to make a prediction that the girl in the spacesuit is is River. Interesting. Think, yeah. Because I, I got the impression that what they were alluding to was that the girl in the spacesuit was uh, was Amy's daughter. 
Well, both. Oh. Yeah, I like where your head's at. See, see, Why not? It it makes sense to me because, well, I mean, uh, uh, well, really, the the physical likenesses are there. Red hair, red hair, all that, you know. And uh, that is a cool prediction, and that would explain why River just magically knows so much about the Doctor and the TARDIS and time travel and all this. If she like was born into it, yeah, and apparently, you know. And this is just my theory, and we'll we'll see. But, but you know, her killing him at that point might have given her the ability to regenerate and understand time well, travel, you know, you, somehow or another. Well, this makes perfect that, sense because River has said that that her crime was killing someone, and we always assume the Doctor. This is in the, the previous season that that she said she killed somebody. And we yeah, but always I never thought it, of that being the doctor. That's that's. Oh really? I, I thought they always suggested I, that that's who it was that she ended up killing. Oh, I, I never put that together. But uh, oh well, now I'm starting to really like the storyline. If if you're right at all, <laughs> then it sounds like they've got this all worked out. And now I'm excited about it. Like never mind. If this is where yeah, you guys never, are headed, then you've thought way ahead of me. You know they've never established how river travels through time. No. Because like she she broke out of prison at the beginning of the series and all of a sudden she's where she needs to be on another planet at another time, you know. Although we're we're establishing uh, or at least believing that she is not the daughter of the Doctor just from the nature of the fact that she's in love with him, and that would be gross. (laughs) (laughs) So he's not. Although to be honest with you, I really feel like somebody should they should touch on the fact that he has a daughter and a granddaughter because that was something you know well yeah i'd like to see that too you know they they sort of went down that road one episode during the david Tennant time i can't remember how they resolved it though they yeah they they never really went with it but but yeah the the idea that that he runs into someone that's his daughter I was like, well, yeah, that makes and they perfect left it sense. Open. She survived that episode, so she might still be out there somewhere. But, but so, I'd actually like to see the original granddaughter, you know, because like, I, I, I'd never seen any of the, I've never seen any of the episodes from way back, you know, where he was traveling uh, with his granddaughter. I remember and, seeing uh, the very first episode. I think that may be the only one of the first Doctor episodes I ever saw. Well, I know he eventually ends up leaving her behind. You know, like, because she meets a guy and, you know, doctor wants her to have a normal life. So he ends up taking off without her, you know, so that would be an interesting thing that they end up coming back to, you know, find her very old later on, you know, and kind of pissed that she got left behind. (laughs) Yeah. And especially if she's a time lord, I mean, that solves the problem. You get anybody to play her. Yeah. she could be in another you know for that matter you could bring back Romana in another incarnation which is something they haven't done yet that would be a lot of fun um, I don't really know much about her backstory I just remember that she was a time lord she was big in the fourth doctor they're playing this thing that there are no other time lords which is their problem but well they're dropping little things around like you know in the final David Tennant episode they show that woman's face who was that woman yeah. You know, so I mean, there, there's little things being dropped, I guess, all through the series, and maybe they'll maybe they'll come to a head eventually. I hope. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot more stuff they can do. 
Well, I'm happy with it. I think they're doing. I I, I really do enjoy the new ones. I would. I, I do guess... wish they'd they'd follow some of the things that we're talking about. But if the storyline is going in the way that you're sort of saying it is, then that's then that's a pretty interesting storyline that they've got going on as far as you know who River Song is and it'd be fun. It'll be fun to see that play out to a conclusion. Yeah. If that well, little girl other... is Amy's daughter and is River Song at the same time. That makes me kind of want to like look back and see if there are any other clues that that could be the case. The only weird thing would be as why is River River does obviously has no memory of that at this point. Well, she may not know who her parents are. True, but she would remember being in the suit. Well, but she does. Unless like I said in the previous season, she said she admits freely to having killed someone. Like, she never in any way suggests that she doesn't remember what's happened. Although, you know, in that episode, she it seems to take her by surprise as much as the rest of them that the, the little <laughs> girl in the spacesuit killed somebody. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I am getting a little bit more enjoyment out of this than I thought. I, maybe it's just Matt Smith. I, I feel like if they start getting into these deeper issues with the doctor that I don't know if Matt Smith is the right doctor to be handling those. I don't know. I think maybe you're just, cause he's sort of it, slapsticky, you know, I think that, you're just kind of in love with David Tennant when I don't blame maybe. you, but, but I think maybe, Matt Smith yeah, maybe is, I do have the hots for David Tennant. He's good. I mean, he was a good doctor. He's a real good doctor, mm-hmm. but I think Matt Smith is doing a, is, is doing a worthy job. He's not pulling the Colin Baker. Then, huh? Yeah. Well, even Colin Baker, once you got used to him, was a good doctor. Now, the funny thing about Doctor Who is, no matter who they've gone through, the character always seems to have found its his his sort of voice through that person. It's a character that transcends the actor that plays him. That's a very interesting character, and it transcends the people that write him. Somehow, every incarnation of Doctor Who has been a legitimate Doctor Who. <laughs> it's such an interesting idea of as as a character. When everything is different, he's still the doctor. And that's why we made this episode a tribute to Doctor Who. Apparently we well we covered the the other stuff and then we got on something that we wanted to talk about and we talked about it. Damn it, that's how this show worked. That's always the way it goes, man. We got a plan. Last plan lasts about two minutes and it's gone. Well, we talked about (laughs) it the the movies that are coming up and that was it, you know. I think I think it's a pretty good episode. So yeah, I'm I mean, happy. I've, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm, oh, the I'm listeners glad. may be bored to death, but you know. Yeah, really. Hey, it's a free podcast. What do you want? I know. Hopefully, you like Doctor Who. We don't know. We <laughs> talked about so we talked to start out with Jesus. We talked about superhero movies. We talked about Game of Thrones. Now Doctor Who. We've we've I covered a, a broad range. We even had Lynn on for about a second. <laughs> <laughs> just, maybe, just to let maybe you know. we'll come bring it all the way around to where Doctor Who is Jesus. Now, that maybe makes sense. Doctor Who is Jesus. Well, apparently he yeah. is Merlin, according to the Seventh Doctor episodes. That's true. So, hey, you know he could be all. He could be like, man, that would be so so wrong. You'd have like yeah, the worst episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you shouldn't do that. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe this is a stupid a idea, idea that 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 the doctor is, you know, is Muhammad. <laughs> yeah. That could that could probably have repercussions. <laughs> so. like a, a, Brit, a British white 
guy, you know, being Muhammad. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Maybe that's offensive. I don't know. I'm just going through <laughs> ideas. Well, I think that's good. I'm glad we talked about that. I think it, we probably need to wind it up at this point. We certainly yeah, have covered enough yeah. ground. All right, well. But we will come back and talk about I really do want to, whether or not we can get Dane or anybody else on that, we will we will have an upcoming discussion about, you know, the truth, justice, and the American way and, and what's going on with that between Captain America and Superman and where our icons are, are going. But uh, that that will be the next episode we do. I do want to do an episode where we talk about uh, female superheroes at some point. We're very superhero heavy right now because it's a big superhero summer. So I'm not. I don't feel bad about that either. I don't know. No. And then um, of course we got the the weird world tour coming up. And then we'll the weird weird world tour. Yeah, somewhere in the middle of all that we will have because uh, that's going to be the end of June, which is which is almost here. So that'll all be very soon. We did get it. There is a new part of. Uh, we do have some new videos out right now. The C word word part two came out. So who knows? I don't know when that will be finished. But <laughs> I would say who knows keep when the hell that's going to be finished. That. Talk about a Doctor Who episode. Yeah, it's just a series. Just a, it just goes a, all over the a damn non-linear <laughs> excursion into weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be boring if it was just us looking at toys because that's all the concept was to begin with. I want to see the toys, though. Yeah, well, I see, now we build the anticipation. This is how it happens. Oh, man. Or either like HBO, by the end of it, you don't give a damn. Yeah, it'd be 10 episodes <laughs> of intrigue. Like, what? <laughs> we punch it up. That's what we do. And then, well, by then, we'll have some um, a better video to put out. We'll do, like, the space shuttle launch or something at that point. but that's good so in the meantime you can see those videos and and others at uh, youtube.com slash dark crazy tv that's our our youtube channel you can always listen to episodes at tv8mydinner.com you can facebook us we're on the facebook you can follow us on twitter on the facebook and uh, yeah that's it you can go to our forum at forum.tv8mydinner.com, which I should mention uh, special thanks to Scary Gary because he's been doing some cosmetic tweaks on there, so he's been helping to moderate the forum here and there as well. Cool. So it's got some, some new graphic touches that it didn't have before. So I'm glad for that. And like text. Yeah, now featuring <laughs> text. <laughs> No, nah, he's done some cool graphics to it, and I, and I appreciate cool. that. Uh, so, yeah, just check that out. I thanks to Lynn for trying to be with us. I know I don't know what's going on, with the, if it's solar well, flares or whatever. She but. did jump on Facebook. I saw a little while ago that she apparently Australia is having internet problems. I'm telling you, man, I don't know what's been going on, but they have, have, been, they have had issues. Can't keep the Aussies with us well they will they insist on being on the other side of the world that's why that's what it is <laughs> but we appreciate her efforts and we appreciate you guys for listening uh tune in i'm sure we'll be back next week with the american way stuff so in the meantime my name is sean i'm greg and we'll see you next time This has been TV8 My Dinner. Don't forget to visit our forum at www.forum.tv8mydinner.com.